Welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads for a refreshing pause and a bit of reflection. My name is Brandon, and I'm really glad you're here. I invite you to join me and my friends, Matt and Peter, for a friendly back porch conversation about prayer, Christian spirituality, faithful theology, and much more. So pull up a chair, grab a drink, and get comfortable as we start today's show. And when we're done, don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org to find out more about all that our ministry offers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Back Porch. It's good to have you here. And today we're asking the question, where in this noisy world do we find spaces where our shy souls can be listened back into the light of God's transforming love? And my guest is Adam Ormord. Adam is the executive director of Grafted Life Ministries and ESDA, an association of Christ-centered spiritual directors. He's also the co-founder and president of LifePoint Resources, a soul care ministry for leaders in need of restoration, discernment, encouragement, and the gift of a listening companion. Adam earned his MA in spiritual formation and leadership from Spring Arbor University in Michigan before completing a certificate in spiritual direction through Sustainable Faith. He's a pastor, spiritual director, coach, worship leader, writer, and a speaker. And today's topic is one of the questions that, Adam, you're going to be addressing, I understand, in an upcoming talk that you'll be giving in the fall at the Apprentice Gathering, which is a spiritual formation conference. Mm -hmm. So, Adam, it's really good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the back porch. What a pleasure. I'm so glad to be with you. We live fairly close. I wish I could actually be on a back porch with you. Maybe someday we can make that happen, right? Totally. If you're ever down in Canyon City, we have a beautiful back area. It's not a porch much to my wife's chagrin, but it's gorgeous. (laughs) All right. So the question that as we were batting around topics, you, you offered this, you said, well, I'm going to be given this talk. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I read the, I, I actually have the title of the talk somewhere written down and I forgot to bring it, but the, the question within the description of the talk that captured me was that question, where in this noisy world do we find spaces and places where our shy souls can be listened back into the light of God's tra- God's transforming love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's like r- hits right at, at the heart of what I, I love <laughs> and mm. what, what I think we're about. So I, yes, my eyes lit up. I was like, all right, I got to talk to Adam. What does he mean by this? Mm-hmm. What's he thinking? The first word I, I really, that really grabbed my attention, Adam, was the, the shy souls. Mm-hmm. And I have some thoughts on that, but I really want to know what you mean by that, because that mm-hmm. really grabbed me. I was like, yeah, amen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. what what do you mean by that when you say we have shy souls? Yeah, I said that the, the soul is shy and, I, and I'm and i sure that I that I did not come up with that. OK, so I, I, <laughs> I, I had to start thinking, where did I first learn that? But Parker Palmer had written a very quotable phrase in one of his books called The Hidden Wholeness, where he talks about how the soul is. Is like a, he says it's like a wild animal. And I'm not a hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't grow up hunting. But from my understanding, if you want to come across and, and really and, and succeed at this whole thing of like, you know, hunting, you have to be very quiet and still 
and wait as long as it takes for this 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 very wild animal that might be tough or you know super resilient and self-sufficiently but also shy to kind of make their way out of the brush and into the, the light and so mm. I, I think that that's what parker palmer was doing was comparing the soul to like a wild animal and he would just say you know we we've got to be quiet we've got to be still we've got to we've got to almost just be willing to let that this thing happen where the 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 the, the soul in this case is able to come out of this this protective place where maybe it it's the person who the soul resides in like like my soul i might not even know mm. how my soul is really doing i might not if you were to ask me how is it with your soul how, how would i know how to answer that question unless i had some kind of space some kind of a environment and, and you would be the one to help provide that for for mm. me to be quiet enough to pay attention to what begins to stir what's beginning to mm. come out of hiding what am i beginning to notice and so i really think that that's what this whole shy soul idea is there's a lot going on underneath inside in us that you know we don't have you know, the the typical warning lights for i mean i just mm. just got off the ship and today found out brandon that someone very close to me has been in the hospital for the last few days now there's a certain acute pain that came on so strong that they knew that they needed to call the the hospital right away and an ambulance came and took them very expensively i'm sure to the hospital <laughs> well, I mean, we, so we have these, these ways of recognizing physically my, what might be going on with our bodies, but how do we notice what's going on in these hidden places of our life, these deeper places that we call the soul? How do we measure that? How do we <clears throat> pay attention to what's really going on? And we have some signs, some warning signs, but, but in our noisy, chaotic world, we don't have to pay attention to them. It's like it's like the oil light, you know, the engine, check engine light comes on and we don't have to pay attention to it. We don't even know mm. how to look for it. We just kind of go on and let the let the thing disintegrate until it's too late. And so this this mm -hmm. shy soul idea is just this 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 awareness that there's more going on in our inner lives than we're normally aware of. And when we mm -hmm. get quiet, some of us don't even want to get quiet because we don't want to have to face that noise of what's really going on. So yeah. we do everything we can to avoid that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I resonate with the being afraid to get quiet part. I, I, I guess this actually makes me kind of want to back up for just a second, ask a kind of a personal story mm -hmm. question. Like, I guess, what got you to the point of asking this question? Like, why are you, mm -hmm. you know, what's your story a little bit? That's like, mm -hmm. you're at this place in your life mm -hmm. where you're interested in the topic of helping people find these places. Totally, man. That's a long story. I, I'll give you the, <laughs> a, a short answer. I'll try. I mean, okay. I, I, I grew up a preacher's kid. Okay. So in the church, mm -hmm. I grew up in that church. I grew up from a very young age, Mike, I don't remember this, but my mom could tell you how old I was and the song that I sang as my first solo in church, right? There, there's room <laughs> at the cross for you, a hymn. And I sang it at four years of, of age. So like I grew up in this environment where so much of what I kind of came to understand a relationship with God to be was what I would be doing for God. 
and how I'd be performing rightly for God, which, as we all know, does not work very long because, you know, I, I mean, I guess it can for some, but it didn't for me. So I had a, a yeah. place. I went right, right from being a preacher's kid growing up in that environment to going off to Bible college, getting a mm. pastoral ordination, having a degree in ministry and in music, and boom, I was married. I started my mm. first job in ministry, married two years and a baby on the way. And where in there would I have had any space or time to, to do this deeper listening work, somebody who would listen maybe with me and to me to help get some of these identity things kind of out, out in the open before I go and I do ministry. So, hey, I go and I do ministry and I do everything I was taught mm -hmm. to do and I do it the best I can. And then a failure comes and then a disappointment comes. And then, you know, we have a, a pregnancy that doesn't go all the way to term and, and that comes. And so disappointment with God, I feel like I'm disappointing other people, you know, and all this stuff just starts building up in, in my story in ministry as a, as, a, as a guy who has a heart to, to serve God and, and love people, but this stuff is piling up on me. And so for me, my, my journey to, I guess, this wholeness or this restoration was a, a huge gift of God that happened in Colorado. I, I actually mm. took a ministry at a, at a church in Colorado Springs, and my wife and I both started to get connected to a soul care ministry we didn't really know what that was, but it was up in the yeah. mountains of divide. And I know you're connected with Tara Owens. I met her through yeah. this soul care ministry called the Potter's Inn with Steve and mm -hmm. Gwen Smith. And out here in Colorado, a lot of people were mm -hmm. very influenced by their ministry. And we were one of those couples. Yeah, we just didn't even know what we didn't know. Like we didn't, I knew yeah. there was something inside, a turmoil inside me that I couldn't shake. I knew that I had read like Henry Nowen's Life of the Beloved. I remember yeah. in my earlier years going, I love what this book presupposes. I just don't know how to keep it. I don't know how to yeah. have a, have, build a container to hold it. If it's true, mm. why can't I live in it, right? So mm. a lot of work had to be done to, to I think, coax my own soul that was buried under, I'll just be frank, like a lot of shame and a lot of mm -hmm. guilt, just, just all kinds of messages from my childhood all the way into my ministry years as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, that all these, as a son, all these messages, I, I, I needed to hear this language of you have a soul and mm. your soul is precious. And it's more, mm. and we're talking about more than just kind of like this, this beliefism and the right things so that you've got some kind of protection, in, eternal insurance protection policy mm. when you die. Like there's, there is more going on and it, it is God interested in, in your own health of your soul today. And I think part of how I, I, I was welcoming this message was. I was a worship pastor. So right there, there was a connection a bit more to a heart kind of a side of things, mm. more of a, more of a willingness to not try to quantify and define every little thing, but leave room for some creativity, for some wonder, for some awe, that artistic part of being a worship pastor and inviting people into this presence with God that was, you know, like, Hey, if we're going to sing these songs, Let's let them land somewhere deep in us 
that needs to hear the truth of these songs, right? So I was, I was, I was in the ministry of trying to help take that message to the heart and to the deeper places already. And so it was a good match for me, but I desperately needed it. I mean, there's, there's no way around that. So I needed Wait, it. it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, so many things are kind of lighting up for me because like I, in many ways parallel, but am different than that. Not being artistic or not being involved. I mean, much more of the, you know, the idea that, that I had some, the idea that the songs should land. Mm. Like I, I resonated so deeply with that because I can remember singing songs and thinking, why is this? Mm -hmm. I'm singing, you know, my soul sings to God and for joy. And I'm like, I don't mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. I got nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. thinking something was very wrong with me, but also wanting it, mm -hmm. you know, like wanting those words to be true. Yeah. But, I, but just not having the, you know, there's a difference there, but I guess the question that brings me to is sort of, what did you find? Does that make sense? Like when you found a space, mm -hmm. I, I assume that's kind of what you're talking about is you found a space where you could yeah. be listened to. Yeah. 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 What did you find? <laughs> well, again, it, it, the stories have a lot to do with what took place at the Potter's Inn, honestly, because it was a space designed for listening. There's a space designed for people who, who needed to be listened, I think, in, into the light of God's love. I, I think shame is, is, a, is a big, huge factor in this, by the way. And, and, lack, and trust plays into this, too. Like, who can I trust in ministry? Can mm. I trust my... You know, can I trust my, my leadership with, with some of these questions I'm having, whatever they might be, or, you know, some of these struggles I'm in right now. And it, it seemed like everything was such a transactional, like you're either with us or go find another job somewhere else. Right. <laughs> and so I needed a place where that wasn't on the table, where, mm. where there was, there was no agenda coming my way. I was being invited to, to just share the stuff of my life and pay attention to not just the, the elements of the story, but also the emotions of the story. And this is stuff in this book, The Relational Soul that I love by Richard Plass mm -hmm. and James Cofield. We talk about there's like three parts or ingredients of anyone's stories, like the element of it, and then the emotion of it, and then the interpretation of it. And in that, having a, a space where someone was going to listen to me without any kind of a, an agenda for my life. In fact, that what they were trying to do was let me hear God. Mm. Right. So, I mean, by my having someone willing to listen to me, it started to bring this healing to my, my mind on all kinds of levels where I began to realize that God was, was intimately interested in hearing the deepest parts of me, right? Not just the, mm -hmm. the, the parts I felt I could share, right? And this takes mm -hmm. me back to like Genesis chapter three, you know, where God is, God's fundamentally asking questions of Adam and Eve as they're behind the bushes. Whereas earlier, when they're talking to the serpent, he's making a lot of good statements, right? He's trying to use reason and tell them, no, this is not true. This is, this is what God means when he says this, and he's holding out on you here, and this is what you need to know. Whereas when God comes along, God is lovingly asking questions. Where are you? And who told you that? And, you know, and, and is yeah. this really what happened? And, and I think that that's an example from the beginning of scripture, and I think it goes all the way through, that God is, 
is 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 interested in asking us to to go deeper and pull out of our hearts what's really going on and um i i don't know if i even i think i started with your question and now i don't even remember no, no, what that's it was but totally no that it, absolutely it, what did you find there it was the question and what you're mm. saying right now i just love that that this connects with other things i've been thinking about and doing with some other folks but the when god asks those questions how easy it is for me i noticed to like read it as if there's a it's like a it, it's a test you know mm-hmm. it's a rhetorical question mm-hmm. he's got the answer already in mind and you're you better figure it out real quick what that mm-hmm. answer is supposed to be and what you're saying mm-hmm. now is no it's the opposite of that like those are the questions the devil asks <laughs> if he's gonna ask questions mm-hmm. you know they're very leading questions whereas mm-hmm. god asks questions that are like inviting not like yeah like i genuinely mm-hmm. and that's what i'm hearing when you say what i found there Mm-hmm. Was somebody who genuinely just wanted yeah. to know what my story was. I I wasn't going into the office to have my boss kindly listen to me, which can be done. Mm-hmm. But also, there's always that overtone of you know, there's answers you can't give because the the there's a relationship here that's on the line. Right. Whereas what you're saying, what I hear you saying is what you found and what you mean by spaces where we can be listened back into God's love. Yeah. How are you today is a genuine question. Tell me your story is not a yeah. tell me your story so that I can. Mm, right. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, the title of my talk, I can't remember the subtitle, mm. but the title is Listen Softer. And exactly mm. that phrase, Listen Softer, is is what you just said. It's like, how do you, how do you show up in a space where you are, are listening to somebody without thinking, oh, I know what they need and I'm going to give it to them. And three, two, one, boom. You know, it, it, it's yeah. really just coming in with a, a curiosity and a desire to be present with some someone for who they are. Mm. And as that shy, shy soul starts to settle and it starts to wonder, is this safe? You're trying to create a safe space. and that, mm. And you start to see just signs of that. Oh, how quickly you could shut it down, right? Mm. And so we learn in spiritual direction how to just be present and curious and attentive. And the minute we we think, oh, this is one of these moments where I need to, you know, invoke everything I know into the situation, while well, that soul goes back, I think, into hiding and just says, well, I don't know if this is a safe place anymore. And yeah, so for me, Brandon, I was thinking about this today. There was one particular gentleman who wasn't on staff at this ministry. He was actually attending an event and I was on staff, if you can imagine that. I was like an intern, basically. And I was I was helping mm. out at the gathering and this was one pastor there. I could tell he had a listening soul. And mm. I just felt led to go up and ask him if we could go for a walk. And we did. Mm. We shared a conversation in which I shared all that shameful stuff. And he held it, you know, mm. and he, he didn't mm. try and fix me. And he didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I was, I was a notch in his belt in any way. And he just held mm-hmm. that space with me. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if he even asked all that many questions, but that, that's to me an right. example versus I remember another time where I started a ministry somewhere. And an older gentleman came to me and di- didn't mm. know me from Adam. I get to use that phrase all the time. It's fun. He didn't know me from <laughs> Adam. But he, he wanted to know if I, if I would be willing for him to mentor me. 
And he had mentored several people and he had this wonderful plan that he used and he would love to mentor me. And I was like, hmm, I don't know that I, you know, like just that whole, like, you're looking for somebody, it felt like, to have that next notch in your belt. Like, you know, one more, one more name of a person you mentored. I've longed to have someone to call my mentor, but it was going to more likely be that first person who truly could listen to the deeper places without feeling any need, any discomfort Mm -hmm. with the tension of the messiness or the questions or the doubts or the whatever, because fundamentally his trust is that God is, was present in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And God was the one coaxing my soul out of hiding. Yeah. It seems to me that it's like I have in my head voices of of others, or maybe these are just voices that I've made up, but there's a sort of skepticism to the kind of open listening. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's what drives some of these other move, maneuvers where it's like, tell me your problem, I'll give you the mm-hmm. fix. Or I've already ass- assumed if you have this problem, this is why you have this problem and mm-hmm. all you need to do is see it. Whereas what I hear you describing is a very different approach. The first guy you talked to literally didn't have any assumptions about why you were doing what you're doing, what you were sharing. He just held this as you dumped it. He held it Mm -hmm. and was like, give me more. Mm -hmm. I have found those spaces to be incredibly healing. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons is, this is how I'm connecting to shy souls, is it's like, I don't even know what I'm really, what my real issues are. Mm-hmm. Until I'm like a good two and a half hours into talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, totally. and, it's, and it's like, and like somebody to just take the time to be like, I don't know what your issue is either. Mm. Let's take the two and a half hours it takes for you mm. to actually finally start talking mm. freely enough to understand it. I feel like that's as opposed to this other way of. If you have X problem, that's because here's the three, the three possible causes. Let's figure it out. And now send you on your way well i think i think skepticism is like you could unpack what's the reason for that and and, i mean you talked about two and a half hours and to me that just speaks of time right time yeah are you with someone who has this this sense of presence where they have all the time in the world for you and that's how a lot of people who were with dallas willard would describe him as just Mm -hmm. a person who if he was with you he was with you and, mm. and they would say, I wanted to be like that. Well, I want to be like that too. I want to be that kind of person who shows up in a space and isn't like looking over your shoulder at the clock or checking my watch or, you know, just always scan. I want to be present to you. And, and yet, and I can feel it when someone wants to be present to me. And here's the thing. We just don't have time. And we just don't have many examples of that in our lives where that actually was the case. And so we don't even know that it's possible. And who who would listen to us like that, right? Everybody's got an angle, yeah. <laughs> right? And right. It, it, if church was supposed to be that at some point in time, you know, have we lost the art of of that kind of presence? Mm. I'm not even talking just about between a, a, a pastor and the people, just the people mm. and the people. Just have we lost the the ability to just be slow? and present without mm. figuring out what's the next thing on our agenda that we've got to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process right now of like starting a home, like, like a life group through the church mm. I attend. And so I had to put like a description together for like, what's our group going to do? 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, some groups were named after like the study they were going to study. Like we were, we're studying John Eldridge's book, whatever. And so that's the name of our group. I just called my group the Life with God group. And I said, we're just going to ask this question. No matter what we're studying, we're just going to always ask this question. What does it look like to, to live life with God in this and, and all these other things? Like it's all going to keep coming back to that. And I'm noticing as people are sending me questions like, well, what are we going to study? Like they want to know, like, what's the, what's the curriculum for our life with God, you know? And well, I want to eventually point them to something like that, but I really want to just get into the habit with people being a kind of a space where they like, they can be listened to and mm. trust can start to get built. And then the slower pace of like, let's just do life together. And in that, see what God wants to bring our way. And we'll study that, you know, together, mm. but it'll always come down to this. Like God wants to live life with us and is in mm. fact doing so. The question is, are we aware of it or not? And do we want to yeah. get into this rhythm of living life with God, present to God in, in this present moment, like you and I are right now? And I, that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I love the time and it's like at the pace of God. I don't, you know, I don't mm. remember where I heard that phrase, but somebody brilliant, I'm sure said that somewhere. And it's just the idea of, I know this is a terrible mangling of, of a word, but what is God's speed? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. we say that old la language of Godspeed, go, go well, go, mm -hmm. go in the grace of God. But of course, <laughs> if you right. kind of make it kind of, kind of the joke, you know, like, what is the speed of God? And it's like, well, it's really, yeah. I want to curse, you know, it's really dang slow. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> but, a book called Three Mile an Hour God. And, the, okay, yeah. and it's, and it's, it's a book by Kosuke Koyama. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, but literally like he's saying, like, a fast paced walk would be 15 minute mile. So that's a four mile an hour pace. Mm. But, but this isn't the fast pace, God. This three miles an hour is like a 20 minute mile. You don't have to work too yeah. hard. And this is the pace yeah. that God is at. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I hear that as being like one of the most basic prerequisites mm. for a space where I can be listened to. You know, you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta be willing to listen to me at my pace yeah, and, yeah, and then I gotta be willing to be listened to in a sense at God's pace, mm. which, mm -hmm. you know, that strikes me, Adam, I, this is totally off the topic, but it strikes me that we come at God with these questions and we're like, why is this happening? Explain to me this. Mm. And so often I experience God coming back with a question of his own, but it's a very, it's like you're, as you were saying earlier, it's a very gentle question. Usually more and more I experience him coming back saying, mm. Tell me more about that. What, what's, why are you so concerned to have this answered? Mm -hmm. Not in a mad way, just sort of a like, hey, I'd love to hear why you're so concerned about having mm -hmm. this answer. Mm -hmm. And I get impatient. I'm like, mm. when in fact, I find that when I actually let someone ask me that question about my own questions, I'm mm -hmm. like, that's what I wanted. Yeah. 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 Let me unpack my frustration about how slow you're working. God, let me talk to yeah. you about what I really need to talk to you about. Yeah, and I think that's that shy soul part right there. Like that, I think that's the that's the part that has to be quietly waited on, right? Mm. And some somebody who by can me, do right? That. Yeah, by you and by the person is kind of letting you go at this slower pace, you know. Mm. So so they have a job to do, and and so do you. And so like spiritual direction is not the end all thing. This isn't the place it happens. This is where we practice. 
This is where we learn. Mm. This is where we, we can ha have someone model for us what is available to us all the time. And then that transformation mm. allows us to then become that kind of presence for other people. Right. Mm. But I think a lot of spiritual direction, how I've experienced it as my directees come back to me is exactly what you said. A month has gone by. How come this thing hasn't fixed itself yet? And, and so the question then shifts to like, well, I, I don't know the answer to why, but let's ask another question. Like, why do you need it to happen now? Like, what, mm -hmm. what is that about? Mm -hmm. Like, if, it, if God were to say, let's wait, let's wait. Why would God want that for you? Like, what's the invitation mm -hmm. in that for you? Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. This all gets to back around to that question or that, that, you know, that kind of like we have a skepticism to what is the value in, in spending this kind of time caring for something yeah. we can't even see. Jesus asked a similar question when he said, well, what would it profit a person if they were to gain everything, get everything they wanted? And in the process of that, like forfeit their soul, like their soul becomes completely disintegrated. They become disconnected from the depths of who they are. And I think that he's asking the question, what's the value of this? There's a high value. There's nothing more valuable. What's worth more than your soul? You know, it's the deepest part of you. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, it's analogous to a good, good marriage, right? Like what, what would it profit you if you had all the toys you wanted but you were so disintegrated that you're that you couldn't spend an afternoon or a cruise with your wife, mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. couldn't bring yourself mm -hmm. into that relationship. You would neither have yourself nor your relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it reveals to us all kinds of. I, I use this word, and I hope it doesn't seem too harsh, but it reveals to us a lot of our own idols. Mm -hmm. We can have an idol of security. And an idol of certainty, even. And I know for my wife and I, we we had to learn a lot of this stuff. I feel like God was using it at the time to prepare us for what was to come. Not just for what I had been through, but what was to come. And I, mm -hmm. I think about the value of having this space where I could be listened. I think, and I really do mean that, I'd be listened into God's love. I... I didn't know God was for me, even though I could tell you he was for you. I assumed I was the one person that rule didn't apply to. <laughs> like, it's just no way. So I, I had to learn this. And then in so doing, these idols become revealed to me. And I'm able to like kind of open my hands and let them go. That was important because as more parts of my story were unfolding, like with relationships with my children and some of their stuff of their stories, I had to hold all this stuff very loosely with God. I have four kids. They're all grown up now, two grandkids. So I've done a lot of this parenting thing. And yet I, I realize I'm just knee deep in it still. And I'm always going to be. And I, I had to learn how to release kind of, or be, at least be aware of this idol of certainty that I think we prize in the church, like, boy, if we just know all the right things and all the right answers for every problem that comes our way, 
relational problem, you know, sin issue, whatever. Boy, we can lock it all down and we can lock our mm -hmm. kids down and we can assure ourselves and our family this perfect life and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. And well, yeah. Yeah. For me, the idol is far less fancy. You know, I've discovered mm -hmm. more and more that so often my, the shyness of my soul, my unwillingness to unpack what's going on is honestly just more often, and this is just for me, but more often than not, I just am afraid of the, of the emotion. I'm afraid that it's going to hurt. I'm afraid I'm going to get lost in it. I'm afraid I'm mm -hmm. not going to like what I find. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, <laughs> maybe shy isn't quite the right word. Maybe it's mm -hmm. just for me, sometimes it's just, I just don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. it. It's, you know, I just don't want to deal with the emotion. I don't want to deal with the thoughts. And I kind of want to take, turn this to a practical question. Mm -hmm. Where does somebody find this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, where do I find a place? How do I find a place? Mm -hmm. A person who will listen to me like this? Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I know, okay, maybe they, maybe we need to send everybody to Potter's Inn. I don't know, but <laughs> you know what? What's your advice? How do you say to some, well, what do you say to somebody who's looking for this? And, and I guess let me ask it this way, very, to start with specifically somebody who may not know they're looking for this. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, you just throw in that last part. That's, that's huge. When you don't know what you're looking for, that's, that makes it even harder. But I think, let me just start by where, where do we find the space? And I think obviously spiritual direction is a place. And I think that's why it's growing. You know, I think that plenty of books and studies and research are coming out right now on, you know, the effects of social media, like, but there's going to be more, like, we're going to, we're going to find out in about maybe 20 more years, the effects of like handing our eight-year-old kids phones and giving them access to, to, to the world, the, the, the space for being truly known and seen and heard, it, it doesn't doesn't exist in social media that's for sure that is the place where we project anything we want to project except the truth mm. so that's not it and I, I so that's why i think what i'm noticing and and just i thank god for is this movement of the spirit of of this awareness of this thing called spiritual direction what is it it's a, it is a space where someone is not trying to fix you they assume that god mm. is most interested in you, more interested in you than, than they are, but they're willing to show up and just be present to you and to love to be with you and to express joy for being for you and who you are. And then let your shy soul just kind of make its way out slowly over the course of however long it takes to, to be listened to well. Again, so like I said earlier, so that you can understand God is listening with the same love and constantly calling us out of hiding where the transformation of love can take place. And can so I, I think spiritual direction, yeah. Hello, Back Porchers. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I want to take a quick break to ask you two questions. First, is God inviting you into a deeper relationship with him? Is he tugging at you to ask your deep questions of him, to wrestle with him? or maybe to trust in him more? Maybe you just feel like something 
anything needs to change in your life. If so, then please consider trying spiritual direction with me. It's easy and free to have an initial conversation to see if it's right for you. Just visit signpostin.org slash spiritual direction to schedule an initial meeting via Zoom or in person. Second, do you want to make others feel welcome to help them experience God as real and as loving? So do I. That's why Signpost In exists. Will you please join us as a monthly donor during our spring fundraiser? We really need to raise about $4,000 of additional steady income each month in order to continue doing all our important work without interruption. Your support helps us offer spiritual direction on a sliding scale for those who can't afford it. It helps us run retreats for pastors and their spouses like the one coming up in August. And it makes it possible for us to offer free online workshops like the two we have in June. Your support also helps us keep this podcast going and, well, makes it possible for us to do this work full time. Becoming a monthly supporter is really easy and quick. It takes about two minutes. Simply visit signpostin.org donate. And as a special bonus to any new monthly supporters who join our team during May and June of 2023, we'll give you full access to Not Home Yet, my and my wife's book project. Your support makes everything we do possible. Please join us and give generously at signpostin.org slash donate. Again, that's signpostin.org slash donate. And thank you. And now back to the show. Can I pause you on that for just a second? Because I think that it opened up something for me, which is, it's interesting that one of the reasons we might have a hard time finding these spaces is because we are sort of look, you know, I confess even myself, I'm often looking, asking the question, what, what's getting done here? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the task? You know, what's the goal? Mm-hmm. And what's the, and, and so it's, I find it very difficult and I find others struggle to, to even have an imagination of what it might look like to have a space mm-hmm. where there isn't a goal. Yeah. There isn't a, there isn't, we're not trying to get somewhere. We're actually just trying to have space. Mm. And that's almost like, wait, why would I even do that? And to that, partly I kind of say, well, just try it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, try it and tell me you don't like it (laughs) because you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, why, why would I, why would I want to go spend a week with my wife and put the expense in to, to go do that? for a week Uh, yeah there's some destination involved in that but not not for me for me it was like you mean i i can have a week where i i don't have anything i don't have Mm -hmm. a goal except just to be present with the person i love and to relax with them Mm -hmm. and to yeah and to just let let my guard down and yeah be (laughs) be loved you know like yeah, like yeah, sure yeah. we're gonna go to the Bahamas, but like I yeah I that I I just am looking forward to a week where I don't have to have that agenda. So I think we we yeah. look for that sometimes in our lives. We do look for ways to maybe we use numbing mechanisms and things that we do to to like make it so we don't have to think about all the things that we've got to do or we're failing to do or whatever. But I do think that we all can relate to this idea of you know in this fast paced world you are. You're always, and especially in our culture, in Western culture, you're always being called from here to there to do this, do that, and to prove your worth and to prove 
and perform your worth and up to your standard and all these things, where do you get to just be? And, mm. and, I, and I do know, I do know as I'm saying this, there are some people who just don't get that language and don't, they're not wired that way. They don't mm. think that way. They really are happy to just keep on producing and having another thing on mm. their agenda to do. I mean, I honestly, I don't know what to do for them. I, but here's what I do know. If God were to move them towards spiritual direction, that's God's doing. And mm. when they show up and they're in that space and they can kind of describe that that's the way they're wired, I can sit with them in the gift of the fact that like, I'd, how did you get here? The spirit did that. Like, yeah. yeah, there's something inside you and we're just gonna, we'll, we'll take you where you're at. But like the, the spirit must be doing something to get you to this space. And so we'll, let's be curious about that and see what comes up. You may never change your, you know, what, why, how you're wired, how you, how you get the most energy and how you love to use your energy. But, but when we translate that into our life with God, we're always thinking we have to produce for God. And this whole idea of just the being, there, there's this, this posture of simply just being with God instead of working for God or, you know, that. Sky Jatani has a great book called With that I think unpacks all this really, really well. But mm. we just don't have it in our culture. We're, we're not awarded for it at all, ever, in the church. Our pastors aren't for sure. But we need to, we need to recognize that the times are, yeah. everything's working against us relationally. So we've got to find ways, and I think that's what God is doing, is he's making ways for people to ask these fundamental questions of, you know, who am I? And what really matters, God, if, if all of this stuff I've been doing for you was just pushed aside, who, how do you see me? That might be a great kind of segue for me to ask you a little bit about what you currently do with Grafted mm -hmm. Life, with ESDA. Yeah, can you say a little bit about that? Like, how, mm -hmm. is, you know, how is Grafted Life doing that? What is Grafted mm -hmm. Life? Mm -hmm. in, in, and yeah, start there. Like what yeah. I think even your life with God group, because mm -hmm. I know that's one of the <laughs> titles of one of Grafted Life's things. Right. So yeah. Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny because like I was talking about my group. I'm gonna call Life with God group, but I'm not gonna do that uh -huh. that that study first. <laughs> because okay. because because what happens a lot of times is people like take a study like that, for example, and people can read all about this on our website, but it's an intensive study that takes people mm. on this relational journey with God and with others. And they, they find mm. out very quickly as they start this study that it's not like their typical Bible study. Like mm. it, it is going to unpack scripture, but it's not going to do it kind of in this Q&A format where here's the question, you get the answer out of scripture and you write it here, you fill in the blanks. It's going to be all mm. leaning into a conversation that you and I and several other people around a, a room We'll have together in a small group context and everything is about talking and, and and building trust and learning how to unpack our stories and right and and pulling god into all of this god into our story and so like that that is a hard sell for most people <laughs> so they immediately the resistance goes up and all the reasons why mm -hmm. like i don't want to be a part of this group anymore and i'm going to go do something else and you know you guys are heretics and who knows what what comes up from that kind of thing. But so my 
like my thing that I'm trying to do is like, I want to create a group first and build some trust. And like, I, I feel like I could take anything. I could take notes from Sunday's sermon and somehow lead them to conversation or questions that open up beyond just the, like the, the right answer kind of a thing. So like, I, I feel really good about then introducing some of our grafted life curriculum at some point in time and giving them the invitation to continue or not. But so Grafted Life is this parent ministry that was started in 2010 mm-hmm. by Kurt and Deb, Debbie Swindoll. And, uh, you know, Debbie has a, her story of going through her own master's program through Biola and going through three-year experience and basically said as she finished that, I want to create a nonprofit ministry where we can bring the same kind of formational growth that, that we've experienced mm-hmm. in, the, in this master's program to the church that her heart, their heart was for the church, just like mm-hmm. Chuck Swindoll's heart for the church. And so they immediately just started writing these different curriculums where they could bring the same kind of experience, this cohort experience they were having Biola into a local mm-hmm. church context so that people didn't have to go, you know, nothing's worse than somebody, you know, going into spiritual direction training, for example, and going to a two-year program. And like, they love every time they get together with their cohort, right? And then they come back to their church and they're like, I don't even know how to communicate this. I don't know who my people are. I feel misunderstood. I, I you know, mm-hmm. like, this is almost like ruining me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, mm-hmm. they were trying to create these kinds of different biblical curriculums that would create a space in small group settings. And so that's one of these spaces, Brandon, that I'm so keen on small group spaces where people are listening to each other and noticing the transformation in each other, calling that out, but recognizing that's God doing that. And let's celebrate what God's doing in your Mm -hmm. life over the course of a longer period of time. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And then this quick, easy, answer fix the problem now setting we don't that but that's what this these kinds of curriculums provide so you mentioned like life with god that's our that's our our premier our, our main curriculum and it's a six semester study six 12 week studies and so if someone signs up and says they want to be part of it they, they're not signing up for three years they're signing up for one semester at a time but but it could carry them through six semesters and it's the scope of the bible the entire the scope of of scripture as as relationship from beginning to end so um powerful powerful stuff and out of grafted life you've got these resources these these small groups then they started esda and that was started as a spiritual directors association um pretty early on i want to say like 2011 maybe you know just right away as they started grafted life because they noticed that you know spiritual direction was was growing more and more people were being trained in this different different training programs are popping up and they wanted a place where it was you know a strong biblical theological base a foundation uh that kept things centered on christ um above all mm-hmm. else and so um they just started ESDA with a few friends and said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this new association we're building? And, uh, we just, you know, celebrated a month ago, a major milestone. We, we passed the thousand member mark, like a thousand active members of ESDA Uh, from all kinds of different denominations, um, backgrounds, uh, but all agreeing to one statement of faith. And, and a code of conduct that I think is really important for spiritual directors mm-hmm. to agree to as well. So we've got mm-hmm. partnerships with 
uh, probably a, a hundred training programs uh, and they are just mm-hmm. popping up all over the place. And it, it's great that mm-hmm. they're finding ESDA. They're coming to us and saying, what does your association require of our program for students who, who go through our training uh, to become members. And so one of the things I know, um, I think you've talked to Tara and I love Tara so mm-hmm. much. She's big on this. Like we are, we are not a certifying body. Okay. And when right. somebody goes through um, training, they're not a certified spiritual director because there is no certifying body. Like there might be for therapy, counseling, psychology. Right. So right. that is right. Sometimes people don't understand that when they when they hear about what ESDA is. We're not that that, that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there is this commonality around our high view of of Christ and scripture mm-hmm. and um, an orthodox statement of faith. And then again, mm-hmm. a code of conduct that we think, you know, every spiritual director ought to be in supervision mm-hmm. um, and needs to be trained properly. And, you know several other things that are listed mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's cool. I, the, you know, the word that sticks out to me in all of this is listening. Like mm-hmm. it's so fascinating to me to, I even, I was just writing it down that, you know, it's in the, it's in the original question. It's in what grafted life is doing. It's in what ESDA is trying to do for spiritual directors mm-hmm. that, However you conceive of transformation and with, you know, coming from within my own religious background, that's sort of a, there's a little bit of a watchword about that. Like you got to be mm-hmm. careful with that and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, but that all beside the point, the grace that is provided when someone listens, mm-hmm. truly listens. And when you have a small group, you're, and I, I just love the idea of a Bible study that's not your traditional fill in the bank blank Bible study, but mm-hmm. a Bible study that is actually about teaching people to listen together mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. in light of scripture with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like that's a breath of fresh air. Cause it's like, Oh my goodness. Now I'm allowed to be a part of this. It's mm-hmm. not just me gathering information and I could be just any, you know, I don't have to even be in the room. You could mm-hmm. record it and I could come back later. And no, no, mm-hmm. I just, the grace of listening, the grace of, Somebody taking the time with me, the grace of mm. a group taking the time to listen to me as well as scripture together. That connects for me how what that means by transformation, because I've mm-hmm. experienced that transformation. Mm-hmm. Like I have transformed in those spaces. Yeah. Partly by just figuring out who I am. Yeah. And then figuring out that I'm loved. But yeah, I don't know. I that's I, I've just since the beginning of the year, it's like started like lifting weights. Like I was never a weightlifter. Okay, so like don't like don't congratulations. I, yeah, <laughs> but but you know I have what I what I'm what I'm trying to recognize here is that uh, obviously that kind of transformation is slow as well, and so there's no. Yeah. I'm never gonna leave the gym one day and go. Boom. Look at that. Look at that transformation right there. That thing popped right there. Now it's perfect. (laughs) Like this is a slow journey, a a long Mm. obedience in the same direction, right? That um, we've heard that phrase and uh, the transformation that takes place over time. I can look back today um, and see some shifts from three months ago, but in my spiritual life, I promise you, I can look back to 2009 when I moved to mm-hmm. Colorado, a wreck. In ministry, mm-hmm. a wreck. 
<laughs> not even knowing mm -hmm. the degree of mm -hmm. how wrecked I was uh, and the transformation mm -hmm. from then until now that is still continuing and will 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 continue. And I don't think mm -hmm. that like th there's really any issue there. Like we we are called to be conformed and transform uh, into more and more into the likeness of Christ. And, and that's, that's, that's a long journey. Yeah. So I, I'm on it. You're yeah. on it. Everybody that comes into yeah. our small groups or our spiritual direction sessions, we're all on it. You know, if, if we're providing anything, we're providing like a, Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I just, mm -hmm. I'm on this journey too. And like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. get it perfect, but I am going to keep on trying to listen to Christ and help you listen to to the voice of God in your life. That's what, that's what mm -hmm. I want my life to be about. Mm -hmm. And experience God as someone who is a listener himself. Hmm. I think that's so big for me that, hmm. you know, that God, God isn't just a big bullhorn in the sky, hmm. you know, broadcasting, but there's a real, actually one of the, uh, another ESDA member who I talked to recently, um, uh, Rob Goodman, I don't know if you met him at the conference that we were at, but um, I love he said Rob. this phrase. <laughs> He's great. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, you know, okay. He said this phrase to me, and it was he was saying that in you know the Greek word for repentance means can be said to change one's mind, but he's like it also can mean to change to change one's seeing, like to mm -hmm. to change one's frame. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly how he said it. He said it better than that. But the point that I got from it was my f being listened to shifts my f understanding of like the character of God into somebody who cares about me because he made space for me in this room. Mm -hmm. He's willing to listen to me as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. And that's just a very different character. And I couldn't ever explain that until I experienced it, but mm. that's just such a different character, mm. which gives me so much space to slowly change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's okay with that. He's really yeah. okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't so. want to belabor the point, but I, I, you know, coming to my mind right now is um, a very transformative time I had where I came to understand Jesus wanting to ask me questions and then listen to the answer. And it was the yeah. story of blind Bartimaeus that did it for mm -hmm. me. It was, it was mm -hmm. on a bench and, just encouraged to sit on this bench and, and invite Jesus to sit there with me. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking. I don't know how to do this. And, um, and, and yet I, I did. And as I read that passage and I thought about how Jesus asked him that question where it seemed like such an obvious answer, you know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Uh, I almost felt like a little, little, not very kind of Jesus in a way to ask such a, such an obvious question, but by asking the question, he was inviting Bartimaeus into the process of transformation that he needed to know he really wanted. You know, what do you really want? What is your soul long for? Have you thought about the implications of healing? Because if you are healed in this, like you can't continue to live as if you're not. Like some things might have to change in your life, right? And I just think Jesus is even in that one example, if people aren't sure that God is a listening God, I think you could take them to that passage and just sit with that. Let Jesus ask you, what do you want me to do for you? And when you have an answer, 
go deeper. <laughs> Let that yeah. shy soul yeah. come out of hiding and, and sit with Jesus long enough to be able to say, I think maybe here's what I'd like for you to do. Yeah. So, and and I would just add to that, that folks that are asking that question right now, as they're listening to this, you don't have to do that alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, you know, one of the things you're saying, we are saying in this whole thing, find a place where somebody helps incarnate that kind mm. of listening uh, God for you who mm-hmm. can be a little bit of a, a space, you know, be a physical presence that represents the God who really is going to listen long yeah. and slow and carefully. Um, on that note, I, uh, Adam, somebody wants to find a spiritual director, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, signpost in, I do it, but also <laughs> ESDA mm-hmm. has, um, it, can you give us the website so that yeah. people can, I mean, I'll put it in the show notes as well, but like you, there's a, you can go and search on ESDA and there's, well, yeah. over a thousand, I so I suppose at this point listed that you could find, correct? I mean, is that? Yeah, that exactly correct. Like, so if you go to graftedlife.org uh, and across the top of that, you'll see uh, um, ESDA or you could put in graftedlife.org slash ESDA. Um, but ESDA mm-hmm. does have this searchable online listing and that's one of the best uh, parts about it. So you don't, all you got to do is make your way to ESDA and and there's a place on there where it says find a spiritual director and you click on that mm-hmm. and you can type in like where you live. You can, you can put in there mm-hmm. any kind of parameter in person versus online, uh, male, mm-hmm. female. Um, you can put like a parameter of how many miles around you you're looking for a spiritual director. But if you find a spiritual director on this listing, what you can be sure of is they are a, a member uh, in good standing with ESDA um, and that they agree with our statement of belief, our statement of faith and our code of conduct. And uh, we want to make it, we want to make them available to anybody who's looking. And we would love it if people navigated their way to our website to find a spiritual director that's right for them. We are we are not involved in this connection process. That's between the person right. who's looking for a director and the director. And we always tell people it's, it's always good. Um, always feel the freedom and permission to have an initial session with a spiritual director, an initial phone call, just to get the sense of kind of how, how you feel with them. And like, that's always, I, I don't know of any spiritual director who doesn't make that available. Just a chance to meet yeah. one time um, and just see how you feel and then discern, is this a good fit? Would you like to continue? So yeah, you can read people's bios uh, when you find someone you're looking for. And uh, yeah, you, you might be looking yep. for someone uh, in, in, who, who does missionary help spiritual director of missionaries. That'll be in their bio. You can put that filter word in your search. So that's one of the tools that's of, cool. of, uh, of ESDA grafted life also has a podcast like you, Brandon, and we're mm-hmm. just trying to have conversations around spiritual direction and spiritual formation and soul care and life with God. So we have those kinds of free resources as well. Mm-hmm. And that's just the grafted life podcast, correct? That's exactly the title of the podcast. That's yep. The, yep. So Good. that's so creative, right? That's, that's <laughs> me who is so creative. I get an A for that one anyway. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I, I mean, don't mess with a good name just (laughs) (laughs) stick with it, man. (laughs) So, well, that's, that's okay. That's super cool. I think, 
and that is one of the things I did want to, I'm glad we got to highlight it because I wanted people mm-hmm. who are listening to know there are a lot of people out there who provide spiritual direction. Yeah. You can actually find one just about anywhere these days and good ones. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I like about the SDA list is it's good people. You can, like you said, you know what they've agreed to, you know mm-hmm. where they stand and, and yeah, it's, it's an easy, easy searchable list, which is kind of cool. Like, man, I wish they had that for some other professions out there <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Adam, thank you for your time. I really am grateful to be able to talk about listening. It's a passion of mine and anything, you know, something you wish I had asked a question that mm. I should have asked something mm. you wish you could talk about if you were just given free reign. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I suppose just in this world of, you know, we talk about listening and this relational God, you know, I think a question mm. that I think people um, may not understand is, is at the heart of a lot of our struggle is, is, does God really love me? And, and I think mm. that gets to, is God, you know, God, God, scripture says God loves me and, you know, he loves the whole world, but is he compelled to love me? Is that why he loves me? And like, what <laughs> makes God love me? And, you know, I, I just, I'm fascinated with relational just theology and talking about, um, you know, how we are the beloved of God, whether we um, do anything great in our mind for God or not, even before any of that, mm-hmm. you know, the identity of who we are is really what's at stake here and that we are the beloved of God. I, I think that as people are um, maybe listeners to this, you know, are, are starting to get a little more sold on the idea of spiritual direction. One of the questions that they might be asking in terms of why would be, what's your view of God? You know, that's one of the questions we like to ask in spiritual direction initially too, is like, tell me about how you image God, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you think, well, I, you know, my mindset of God is this angry taskmaster God, you know, whatever, like that's, it's understandable why you'd have that. Right. Yeah. Um, But another question would be, how's that working for you? Like (laughs) what, what are you? How 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 yeah. how how would you like your view of God to be? And and that's not just to yeah. say that you can view anything you want and poof, there it is. Right. Like, but but are you sensing there must might be more? And mm-hmm. in fact, there is more. There's this relational component of a relational God who wants to have a relationship with us, who has relationship mm-hmm. in the Trinity, and mm-hmm. and all of Scripture points to that. And if you'd like to know that you really are the beloved of God, this is the space to experience that for your shy soul to be loved into God's light. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's the answer to the question why I, it's so interesting that where you learn the answer to that, where I think you learn the answer to that question is in the experience of being loved, not in a rational answer to the question. Yeah, for sure. What I hear you saying, you know, yeah. it's, the worst question that I ask my wife on my worst days are, why the heck do you love me? Mm. And if she, and if she's really smart on those days, she refuses to answer because any answer she gives me plays right into my, there's no good reason to love me. I suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if she just loves me and hugs me, which is what she usually does nowadays, mm. Mm. it sort of bypasses that whole it, it actually gets to, that's a dumb question. She loves mm. you. 
She's mm. amazing. She loves you. Mm. Just let her do it. And I think that's a lot of what happens in spiritual direction in mm. these spaces that you're talking <laughs> about with grafted life things. It's like, I'm asking, why does God love me? And people are just saying, shut up. I love you. Mm-hmm. And that solves the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, oh, thank yeah. goodness you love me. <laughs> yeah, slowly, I think that solves the question. But yeah, I, that's so good. Brandon, I think what you're doing um, with your ministry is phenomenal. I think even just in your Thanks. ability to speak honestly about those moments. Where yeah. on your, <laughs> you, the, you have days like that where you're finding yourself needing to know, are you the beloved <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like, I love that you're doing the ministry you're doing um, for such a time as this. And for those people who are finding their way to signpost into your podcast, your ministry, like, thank you. Thanks for being you. Mm. Thanks for letting all the stuff of your story and your life, like, bring you to this point where you can offer this kind of listening, grace-filled presence to other people. That's what we need. That's what ESDA mm. is all about. And uh, that's what I'm about too. So I'm glad that you're Mm. doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Glad you're doing it too. And Mm. uh, listeners, thank you for joining us on the back porch. And may the grace of Christ go with you uh, wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost End a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostend.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostend.org slash donate. That's signpostend.org slash donate. And thank you.